Welcome to Inside the Real Job with me, your host, Yenfu Chen. Get ready to explore the world of diverse careers while fascinating stories await. We'll delve into the pros and cons while witnessing ever-evolving industries. Join me as we connect with individuals from all walks of life, unveiling their secrets and navigating the dynamic world of work. Let's embark on this journey into the realm of real jobs. So Peter, earlier you spoke about how to become a recruiter. Mm-hmm. Either sometimes people get asked when they actually go for a job through a recruiter yep. or yep. proactively reach out to recruitment agency. Can you tell us your story? Sure. When I left school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I think hence this hence, podcast, right? Uh, hence <laughs> this podcast. And it's pretty hard because there's a lot of choice out there. And I think uh, your career path is built in chapters and gone are the days where I think you do one job forever. I think you do multiple careers when you go through the workforce and that can evolve and that can be related or that can be completely unrelated. My journey, I went into hospitality. I remember I did a psychometric testing through Chandler and McLeod at the time and my father was keen to sort of know what my attributes were and what career path that would best suit because I was certainly showing no signs of where I wanted to go yeah right and uh, he wanted to help me as a proactive parent what that led to was identifying one of the I think the occupations was I was going to be a good police officer or something to do with psychology or something to do with people and helping people that came through in spades so to bring out my personality and confidence I went into the hospitality game for myself That was a fantastic avenue for me. Working in food and beverage in one of the fine dining restaurants in Sydney was an awesome experience. I got to serve some very well-known people and build my confidence talking to people. And the hospitality for me was incredibly hard work, incredibly long hours, split shifts, Mm. being paid peanuts, but loved it and worked so many hours, I was rich because I was just 80 hours a week whatever you're doing you're going to earn quite well so and that was a fantastic background then I got an opportunity while I was in that industry and because of my confidence had grown boarding opals and diamonds around the world and did that for seven years and was spending a lot of time in Europe Hong Kong Japan and all over Australia great career path had its time because the industry was changing and the spend of travelers coming to Australia was changing so it was a time for me to look elsewhere and I got an opportunity to get into recruitment. My sister was in recruitment. I joined her and a smaller agency at the time and I came on board with the view of growing it and that's what 26 years later here we are. Great and haven't looked back since. Haven't looked back since. Just then you mentioned about the connecting people when Mm -hmm. you did your test people came out so that's obviously a large attribute. What other attributes do you feel like you need to be really successful as a recruiter? People think it's just placing people in jobs. You are doing that and you are analysing a client and then finding the solution and you're solving problems. But there's a huge amount of psychology in terms of evaluating and finding what makes somebody tick and understanding their behaviour, where that's going to be best suited to. So you have to be good at analysing people. And I think having that core element of wanting to genuinely help people is important, but being able to read people, understand people. And I have a natural interest in psychology and I have a natural interest in finding a people passion. It's like the teacher podcast you did. Yeah. You know, everyone's yeah. got a passion and I find that everyone's got a fantastic capability and you've got to work out what that is. And you've got to want to help people. If you're going into recruitment wanting to just earn money, 
I think it's the wrong industry. You will see recruiters that go in and they'll say, I've done recruitment for a year or two or three, but to have a long-lasting career in it, you've got to have an appreciation and desire to help people because by default, the remuneration or salary, you'll be rewarded as a consequence of you doing that principal role really well. Yeah, great. And we touched on some challenges earlier. I feel like being in recruiter, you will have to get used to receiving the word no. So how do you overcome that? For me, it's taking ownership of the process because when a client says no, you'll you'll find somebody, you'll take them on a journey and you'll built that candidate and told them how fantastic the organisation is. They'll know their organisation better than most employees because of the knowledge that you've provided them and you want to make sure that they understand the culture and have this opportunity to potentially join this company. And when the client says no, after if you've presented them and gone through that process, you've got to understand where what you could have done differently and also relook at your understanding of the role. And that happens at all levels. And you need to take ownership of that process to and look at the core reason of why it didn't proceed. And I guess that's to your earlier point of really understanding your client mm-hmm. and visiting them, mm-hmm. understand the culture, their business, so that yep. you can find yep. the right employee. Mm-hmm. Again, that's something you have to do. Mm-hmm. And did you know that naturally or is that just the over time you learn it each time you be successful or unsuccessful? Recruitment, like anything, is about failing forward. You learn from your mistakes, but you have to allow consultants to fail. And it's the goal that you learn from those mistakes that then you apply and makes you a, a more robust, more competent recruiter. And at the end of the day, I can be recruiting for you, Yen, and I've put somebody in front of you and irrespective if they have the skill set or not, if there's not that human connection between you two and you can't identify with that person. And so that connection's really important to understand. And it's a two-way street in recruitment. It's when candidates being presented for interview, I always tell candidates, they're not just interviewing you. The candidate is interviewing the client they're going for. And clients will often evaluate a candidate that's going for a job by the level of intelligent questioning that they ask at the end of the interview or during the process. Great. What is an actual stressful day for you? Because it just sounds so stressful, to be honest. I can just envision you're on the phone, you're traveling to someone's site, but you're on the phone while you're doing that, trying to connect with other people. So some people might be really stressful. Look, you can be presenting someone that taken on that journey and they've served their four weeks uh, notice period at a company and the client's super excited and you've connected with that person two to three times the week before and subsequently the week after week after week. So you've, you've invested a lot of time and they ring you on Sunday night and, and say, I've got another, I've been counter-offered and I'm going to take that offer. Wow. And you've got to present that knowledge, that uh, communication piece to the client and still maintain that relationship with the client who will, and I understand it, may blame you, but it's factors sometimes outside our control, but it's how you manage that communication piece. And that can be stressful because you, you obviously, you need to look at what you could have done differently to avoid that, but you've got to manage that communication piece and maintain the relationship with that client. Recruitment can often be viewed, you're only as good as your last placement. You can have 
done so many successful placements with the organisation, but the last experience is often the most freshest in a client's mind, and I often view it that way. And so it's how well you manage that communication in a bad situation, and things happen. Yeah, gotcha. And just that scenario you gave us where people can call out the day before mm-hmm. and say, oh, I got a better offer. Yep. Does that happen quite often? You have to take ownership of that because there's an underlying element in that personality that you didn't pick up. That sure. They're capable of doing that to you. If you've built the, the bridge of respect and trust and you've been honest with them through the whole process, you can minimise that, but there'll be elements that you're, you've got to not let your enthusiasm for filling the role miss anything that's a red flag and that's why recruitment's quite difficult because in a sales generic sales role the commodity you're selling doesn't talk back to you it doesn't have a doesn't have its own personality it doesn't have its own mind thought in recruitment you're a conduit for bringing parties together but both parties can say no or one party can say no and one party can say yes and that's the burn factor in terms of recruitment that some people can't get their head around. They just don't realise that's the difficult area of recruitment and you've got to be able to manage that emotional roller coaster ride and keep your confidence within yourself because it can rock your confidence when it happens and you've got to be able to ride the lows and enjoy the euphoric highs that come from doing incredible roles. That's a really good point because in sales you're usually selling a product where this is people and there's a people element. Yep. That's a really good point, thank you. And when that does happen, I assume it's the trust that you have with your client so they understand that it was out of your control in some way yep. because then get their confidence back when that happens because they've already waited four weeks, maybe longer for you to do the recruiting, to find the right candidate. That person has had to give that four weeks notice mm-hmm. that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So they've already waited a couple of months. Yep. They're excited, but then the person doesn't show up because yep. of that. Absolutely good point, Ian. You've got to uh, be proactive when you go in. You've got to have a, a solution to the problem or a strategy of how you're going to rectify what's just happened and and build confidence that you've got a solution and a strategy in terms of how you're going to turn it around. And as you progress as a recruiter, you have to deal with different type of people. How do I relate to that? If someone is maybe more experienced, is that one of the challenges that we face? Your journey in recruitment is obviously gaining knowledge and you will be recruiting roles that, and unless you've physically done them, you're not going to be as competent as some of the candidates you're going to be interviewing. One of the common beefs with the candidates interviewing with consultants is that consultant doesn't know what they're talking about. And I think you need to do as much research and immerse yourself in that role and get your head around it. But if it's a specialty IT role, which you'll never sustain a knowledge that's as great as the person in front of you, you can gain invaluable insights and lessons from the candidate. A great candidate will take you on a journey of education of what that role does, and that can be incredibly exciting if you can relate to that, and they can explain it in layman terms and not technological terms. And if I can relate to it and then and they've explained it to me in its entirety then I have the confidence to know that they could do this job. You touched on it earlier talking about trends what does recruiting industry or what does a recruitment role look like in five to ten years time from your perspective? Recruitment's evolving it has to evolve with the market and it has to keep pace with the market 
agencies that are, are going out of business today aren't evolving and you have to be an innovator. So you have to predict where trends are going and so as a, a recruitment consultant you've got to keep abreast of technology. I think technology is a major factor in recruitment. The advent of AI, there's now technology that can self-promote and write uh, LinkedIn, for example, profiles of you and promote you to companies and you just set the automated feature up and it'll self-promote you. We're at that level of technology so, and a lot of the job boards are investing huge amounts in the technology space in terms of streamlining, identifying talent and shortlisting it and taking recruitment into a completely new realm. And taking that a little bit further, would you agree that the people connection is still really important? Because I foresee, as you mentioned there, all the AI tools can help you write an amazing CV Mm -hmm. and your LinkedIn profile looks so good that you get all the job requests and then some of that could be false because a you might not have the skills to write really well then i guess you still need that people element to really safeguard that hey this person is true to what they've said or what they've presented in social media and so forth absolutely there's elements of the recruitment process that will not be able to be replaced by ai and it's the identification of talent that can only be done through human interaction and expertise in terms of understanding the environment, the culture and the skill set required and that fit that you need to keep impressing upon clients so that presents opportunities that strengthens the relationship you have with them. And candidates want different things nowadays, for example, the hybrid, mm-hmm. and you've got organisations who have rented or leased all these big commercial properties and mm-hmm. they want their staff to come in. Mm-hmm. How do you find that balance and do you see in the future that more people need to come back to the office because organisations want it? Because I've heard, and you can tell me if it's true or not actually, that organisations are now putting in their contracts that staff need to mandatory come in at least two to three times a week. And is that the path that we're heading down? I think we're still in muddy waters there. It's changing the landscape of the city and surrounding office hubs around the city because we've got a generation now that have gone through this whole COVID period because the COVID period's gone literally for four years now that have expectations of what now employment is and it's completely different to say my generation of what I went through. You had to be in the office five days a week and now employment is very, very different and we're talking to a different audience and we need to meet the audience to attract that talent and like offices prior to COVID would have a fantastic working environment, may have a gymnasium inside them or a ping pong table or a snooker table or some sort of lure to provide this is a fun place to work. It's more about now offering flexibility. Companies that don't embrace that feel they're going to struggle because if you're not offering it, other competing clients will and they'll benefit from that. I think what needs to be looked at though is productivity levels and how well you train somebody and what systems you've got in place to evaluate how effectively somebody is working from home. And it's up to organisations to be set up accordingly that they can 
evaluate and monitor that. There's productivity benefit. I know entire teams that are operating well beyond their threshold in terms of their capabilities because there's now no travel time. So people are more committed uh, working through the day at home. But I also am a big advocate of having people come into the office for certain segments of the week. At the end of the day, we're all humans and humans thrive on human interaction and connectivity and they feed off each other and you can be inspired by say having a face-to-face meeting and connecting with your work colleagues and then opportunity of working from home and working in the office then really works well so I'm finding clients today the the ones that have embraced this uh, embracing a, a hybrid methodology of either two or three days a week in the office yeah, great. A person who's looking for a job, you also need to be adaptable as well because there's not probably a guarantee depending what field you're going into, not every organisation is going to be able to offer you five days at home. 100% and completely agree. You need to, as a candidate, when you're going for roles, you can only work from home when you have a level of competency and trust and you've, you've earned that. And so that may not come until you've been in the role three to six months. There's an initiation period and depending on the role, it may take you a level of learning where you need to have on-site support to do that role effectively and you can't just have an expectation to work from home if you can't do that role unsupported because there's a when you work from home there's a not the level of support that you can be when it's hands-on and that person's right in front of you so it depends on the role that you're doing and there may be a qualification period before you have that latitude to work from home and you need to earn that yeah makes sense Final question, Peter. What are your final tips for someone that wants to move into recruitment so that they can be successful and make a long-term career out of it? I say be passionate about helping people. Um, Have a genuine interest in understanding people. You are in an environment where you've got to analyse people and find out what their passion is, what makes them tick and what motivates them. And if you can do that successfully and identify and analyse it from the client's perspective and their motivations as well and what they're expecting as a candidate from you it can be a very rewarding career I mean it's funny recruitment happened to me over and over again where I've interviewed people at an entry level and they've later became my clients and so often that complete 360 has happened with people that have placed in a call centre and then they've ended up being captains of industry and you gave them the start and that relationship has extended all the way through so What I'm saying is recruitment, it's about long-term relationships. I've had relationships uh, with clients now for 20 plus years and shared milestones in their career and helped them grow and provided them advice and counselling. So it's a really exciting area to get into, but it's what you make it and not seeing greener pastures, but making the most of your opportunity in front of you. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Pleasure, Ian. I hope you enjoyed that second episode with Peter. The key takeaways for me was the importance of genuinely wanting to help people find their career path. Building strong relationships with clients is critical as it fosters trust and understanding when things don't go as planned. It also gives your clients the confidence that you'll continue to find the right staff for them, helping them grow their business while supporting individuals in their career journeys. Thanks for tuning in and remember, make today a good news day.